thank you. If you're if you're new, welcome. This is Crime Culture. If you're returning, thank you for coming back. Ah, uh, look at that. Look at look me. At look at me. Look at me go. Look what I did. Almost 200 episodes in. We're getting to it. I'm gonna throw up. Yeah, but not actually because it makes me feel bad. Yeah, but emotionally, I'm throwing up. <laughs> yeah. Before we jump into it, I yes. just want to say that um, this week or this past week, everyone was given their match for Secret Satan. So if you are involved in our Secret Satan gift exchange, you are given your match. So get acquainted with them, get to know them and get their gift ready. And we will be opening everything on Halloween this year. So get your shit together. Yeah. 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 Jack Skellington as Santa is coming. We both got our uh, matches and we're very yes. excited for it. I'm very excited for it. I also, I. I, I also think I deserve a pat on the head. And this is where everybody rolls their eyes and they go, Caitlin's so self-absorbed. Because I realized that... The emails were sent out like from our from our crime culture email, but that I can see in our, in the sent folder, I can click and see who got what, and I did not do that, so I'm keeping it a surprise. Perfect. <laughs> and yes, I think I deserve credit for that. I think my nosy ass deserves credit. <laughs> you can make it like the month until we actually have to open stuff. To I don't find know out, if like, I can. Who, got who? I need a reason to live, and that very well could be the reason to live. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Getting married in a month from today, yeah, as yeah. the day we're oh recording my God. this. Oh, you're right. I know. Oh my Isn't God, that gross? we're coming down the home stretch. And again, join our Patreon. I will be live streaming the wedding from our it. Patreon page. No, Haley, <laughs> Haley will tackle me from the altar. <laughs> we'll, Can we'll you be imagine? Posting, we'll be posting some things. You'll but, see some stuff. Yeah. yeah, but that's for everybody. Everybody yeah. loves a wedding, unless you're. Yeah. I don't know the party pooper but i love yeah. i love a good wedding granted the only wedding i've been to they carried a chicken down the aisle instead of a bouquet i will but- not be doing that <sighs> what about bean my cat bean uh Wait, yes your cat bean not- as opposed to well, like a can of if- a can of goya a can of beans <laughs> yes. i don't know if anyone's first episode they don't know of the legend of bean um okay. but no he will Fair. not be in attendance unfortunately that you know of i'm gonna go back to your apartment before all this shit starts and bean and i are just gonna sit very politely we are going to wait for the ceremony to begin and to finish and then he and i are going to tear it the fuck up on the dance floor i mean he's a quite a talented dancer he is he's a wiggly boy he is yeah he can congo with the best of them are you talking about an, a different Wiggly boy today? Is Benedict Cumberbatch Wiggly? Did I miss that in my research? Uh, not seemed, that I know of. He looks like he'd be Wiggly. Uh, I mean, maybe if if he's listening, please let us know if you enjoy the occasional wiggle. Um, but as far as I know, no, we're just talking about Benedict Cumberbatch, who may or may not be a Wiggly boy. I don't know why this is true crime, but I'm excited to find out why. Oh, baby. Oh, baby, just wait. Okay, you can find go. out. And before we get into it, so 
because I was going to ask his fan base not to come for me, but even that is a slight, not controversy, but so his female fans were originally, they, they called themselves the Cumber Bitches, and they technically still do, but now, right. now they're mostly known as the Cumber Collective, Cumber Babes, okay. or Cumber People, There's and all of those are one word, and okay. basically that's because... Benedict Cumberbatch found out that they called themselves the Cumber Bitches and was really fucking uncomfortable with that. Yeah, and, I would imagine so. Yeah, he's uncomfortable with a lot of aspects of his fame, but again, like, understandably. He's British, he's British but also, like, understandably because he became kind of a phenomenon, which, like, I didn't really talk too much about. I kind of just touched on it. Uh-huh. But, like, somebody, for example, I think, like, rented the apartment across from, like, across the street from him, like, so that they could see into his windows and uh, they like documented okay. his every move and they were like he just took his shirt off he just put a shirt on that's terrifying now, yeah exactly exactly and so like he's understandably like already very like like his wife got hate because how dare he get married how dare she take him from them yeah like but so he's uncomfortable with a lot of aspects of fame is what i'm trying to say but cumber bitches is where he like draws the line and was like it's no weird. yeah he said it was actually non-inclusive and pejorative and so he says that cumber collective is quote a slightly less offensive noun end quote <laughs> i agree with that yep so my point is please cumber collective do not come for me if i uh-huh. don't touch on every single movie in this man's career he's done like 80 some odd like acting gigs alone he also has a production company that i did not have time to touch on he like he does all kinds of shit he's done theater he's done tv he's done movies i know all of good this for him. good for him but also i i can't fit it all in please please this is a true crime pop culture yeah, podcast i was gonna say this is primarily a true it is like we do talk a lot about pop culture this is like the secondary uh focus of the podcast but it's primarily true crime Yes. So, yes. So with yeah. that, we will get into this. Um, hell yeah. Hell yeah. And Benedict Timothy Carlton Cumberbatch was born on July 19th, 1976 in the district of Hammersmith, London, England, to actors Wanda Ventham and Timothy Carlton Congdon Cumberbatch. I thought that I had ended my sentence and I did not. Um, <laughs> Timothy Carlton Congdon Cumberbatch, whose stage name is Timothy Carlton. We'll touch on that a little bit later. And he grew up, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch grew up in the borough of Kensington and Chelsea alongside his half-sister, Tracy Peacock. Um, Hmm. A couple fun facts about his heritage before we get, because I just thought this was kind of cool. Like for one, in addition to being related to like a slew of like tycoons and things like that, his grandparents and his great grandparents were like very influential people. Um, Cumberbatch is actually the third cousin, sixteen times removed of King Richard the Third. Sixteen times removed. Sixteen, not seventeen, not fifteen. Sixteen times removed. Um, But he he's this third cousin, sixteen times removed of King Richard the Third. He actually played him in the hollow crown and they did like a reburial of of king richard the third in 2015 uh-huh. and during that cumberbatch also had the opportunity to read a poem so like i just thought that was kind of interesting but yeah for another as i said fun fact um 
his parents are actors, as I just said, and they actually played his parents in the BBC series Sherlock, in which Cumberbatch starred as ah. a titular character. But like that was really cool. The um, the woman who played his housekeeper, whose fir- her first name is Una. But her first name, I haven't seen Sherlock in a long ass time, guys. I'm going to be honest. It's been a minute. Um, Una Stubbs, she played Mrs. Hudson, who's like the housekeeper. Una Stubbs was actually a, a like an acqu- a friendly acquaintance of his mother. And okay. the reason why they have such a close relationship like on film is because she quite literally like watched him grow up and he's known her all of his life. Damn. Yeah. Or he knew her all of his life. She actually very recently passed away. Um, like back, back like a month ago. Okay. Um, but yeah, so hopping right into this. So as I said, his parents were actors, like he, he was surrounded by actors. So understandably Cumberbatch fell in love with acting as a child when he was hanging out backstage at his mother's plays and starting at the age of about eight, he began attending boarding school. He first attended Bramble Tie School in West Sussex before enrolling as an arts scholar at Harrow School, which is one of the oldest, most respective and most respected and also expensive all male boarding schools in the United Kingdom. Yeah. So while he was there, he painted oil canvases and was a member of the Radigan Society, which is Harrow's principal club for the dramatic arts. And it was named after the dramatist and Harrow alumnus, Terence Radigan. Okay. He also played rugby, and that was mostly like he he liked it fine enough, but it really like served as an effective attempt to stave off any bullying for his participation in the arts. Um, okay. He later told Vanity Fair that his peers, quote, presumed that because I was into art, I was definitely gay, end quote. I mean, that's like the, uh, that's stereotype. Like the, the stereotype in yeah. all of high school and everything. Yeah. And it's fucked up, but whatever. Yeah. And then you I mean, get- it might have it might have changed now because people are a lot more open i mean more open-minded now than when we went to high school but true um definitely when he went to high school yeah that was the uh that that was the thought process that was the thing um and i i'm sure that like shows and movies like high school musical and glee helped with that too where you had like the athlete joining the glee club and the musical and shit like that yeah Um, But regardless, so while he was at Harrow, Cumberbatch acted in multiple Shakespearean plays, including A Midsummer Night's Dream, in which he made his acting debut as Titania, Queen of the Fairies, when he was 12 or 13. My sources differ. All right. Um, And he did. So like that was his first time. He said something somewhere where he was like, imagine like me being like a small child on stage in front of a in front of like a group of boys in like a pineapple crown and like a dress and a wig. Yeah, that doesn't really help your... uh I'm not gay cause it doesn't, but it also doesn't really help the please don't bully me cause. So I understand where he was coming from with going through with rugby and yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that like any role should be like, Oh, I am obviously not a straight person. Like obviously that is not correct in any sense of the word because I have, I mean, I, both of us did high school theater Mm -hmm. and there were many people involved in all of our productions that were straight, that were gay, that Mm -hmm. identified as something, whatever it was. So like, you can't make that generalization obviously, but um, yeah, yeah, I can understand the people that, um, uh, that especially in high school at that point, 
seeing somebody who was in that production and making uh, some type of dumb assumptions. Mm-hmm. Well, which and is obviously stupid, but whatever. It's stupid, and not to mention, um, not not for anything, not to get like really into this, but Shakespearean plays were initially acted by men in all yeah, parts. Hundred percent. Yep. So like really like you're gonna say that some of these people like and some of them probably were gay but not all of them were gay and it didn't really matter that's just how they did things um it, honestly it's just, there are probably a lot of gay guys playing sports too that's what i'm saying though <laughs> yeah. do you think do you think a contact sport like american football for example in which they quite literally like just jump on top of each other jumping each other's bones you think that was invented by straight people yeah do you think that was invented probably by straight not people? I'm just saying, pitching and catching in baseball, you think that was invented by straight people? I'm not trying I'm to... I'm just saying. I'm not... Yeah. I'm not trying to guess. I'm just saying, the the straights have a different view. It's like people who think Jesus was white, but... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But regardless... What, he wasn't Italian or something? What do you mean he wasn't a blue-eyed blonde like his mother who also came from israel um so regardless getting back on track here so cumberbatch's drama teacher martin tyrell actually said that he was quote the best schoolboy actor end quote he had ever worked with Mm -hmm. and he like when he got the feeling like for example cumberbatch quit rugby so he could like focus more on acting he kind of sat him down and was just like don't go into a career in acting. And he said it was a, quote, tough business, end quote. So despite this, he still kind of initially was like, oh, but I kind of want to do this. But then he also felt guilty because his parents and his paternal grandmother, who had helped his parents pay for his tuition to the most expensive school in fucking the United Kingdom, um, he he felt guilty. So he was like, I think I'm going to go to school and become a lawyer and just go to law school and everything but then he learned that a career in law was just as competitive as one in acting Mm -hmm. and so he decided well if i'm going to go into one competitive field or another i'm going to follow my passion which okay you go you go so he also decided to take a gap year before studying drama at the victoria university of manchester during which he spent time volunteering as an english teacher at a tibetan buddhist monastery in darjeeling india and yeah, I know, right? And then he went on to receive his master's degree in classical acting for the professional theater at London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, or Lambda, which is mm-hmm. a really prestigious acting school. It's actually the United Kingdom's oldest drama school. So Homeboy's been trained. Yeah. He's been trained. Well, I mean, he was... Uh it sounded like he was kind of born on third base, as they would say, because he had parents that were already uh, pretty well off and were able to provide him with this type of education and everything. So he was kind of ahead of the pack on that way. Uh, a, a, a little, but I mean, so he talked a little bit and I didn't really mention much of this because I was like, OK, this is about Benedict Cumberbatch and not his parents. But they didn't always they were not like superstars or anything by any means like Mm -hmm. he he basically said like there were times where like yeah things were good but then there were a lot of times where like they weren't getting work 
So like it kind of flip flopped, and uh-huh. they they were they were kind, his mother especially was like kind of known because I read somewhere one of my sources was like basically like when they needed like a bombshell they called his mom, but like all right, it wasn't it was they weren't get they weren't like working as steadily as he is for example. Uh huh. So yeah, um, he decided to go into like i said he decided to go into acting so his career then began in 2001 when he started acting in small roles in classical plays and british television shows like silent witness and 40 something um and at the start of cumberbatch's career he actually followed in his father's footsteps by going by benedict carlton because his dad had dropped his surname because he thought it was too fussy at the time okay However, the reason why he goes by Cumberbatch is because an agent actually urged him that the effect would be the opposite and was like, no, 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 change your name back. Could that be memorable? Yeah. 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 And it sounds like you you hear Benedict and yeah, like you can hear like Benadryl Cucumber and shit like that all day and every day. But at the same time, it's it's a memorable name. Like 100 percent. Yeah. And it's not just because he's good. It's just like like you could you could see a Benedict Carlton anywhere on the street, but like Cumberbatch, and even like as a British actor, like as an American hearing of a British actor Benedict Cumberbatch, you're like, oh damn, like he's yeah, somebody. You, <laughs> like, you hear that name and you're like, oh, that's an interesting name. Like if nothing else, if you don't know anything that he's ever acted in, you're like, oh, that's a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he went by Cumberbatch. Um, mm-hmm. And then in 2004, Cumberbatch's star continued to rise when he got some meteor roles, including one as a theoretical physicist and cosmologist, you might know, named Stephen Hawking. Uh-huh. Brilliant mind. Not so nice man. Um, but so he played Hawking in the biographical TV movie Hawking on the BBC and was nominated for the BAFTA TV Award for Best Actor for his performance and won the Golden Nymph for Television Films Award for Best Performance by an Actor. Mm. And that's kind of when people kind of started to take notice. And the movie has a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 92% Google score and an 86% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Couldn't Mm -hmm. find much of anywhere to watch it, but then again, Google knows I'm here. I'm not elsewhere, so it may be easier to watch in the UK. Yeah, Um, probably. But that same year, Cumberbatch traveled to KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa, to film the 2005 miniseries To the Ends of the Earth, which was based on a novel of the same name written by Lord of the Flies author William Golding. Um, and so in this movie, he played the series protagonist, or in the series, he played the protagonist, Edmund Talbot. And the series did really well. It has a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, an 87% Google score, and you can watch it for free on IMDb TV or Amazon Prime. They have like an IMDb channel on Amazon Prime. Okay. But that is where we get into our story. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So Cumberbatch and two of his co-stars, Theo Landy and Denise Black, had decided on like an, a weekend when they had like off to go scuba diving. So they they decided to go. It was near the Mozambique border in Sadwana Bay. And on their return back to set after their session, they were driving on this isolated dirt road that was known to have been notorious for armed kidnappings and carjackings and all kinds of like not so great shit. Ooh. And they got a flat tire. Not great. Not great. Decidedly not chill. 
And then in a 2013 interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Cumberbatch said of the situation, quote, it was cold and it was dark. I felt rotten. We were wary because that's a notoriously dangerous place to drive. Then poof, the front right tire blows. So we got the spare, but that meant getting all of our luggage out. We were like sitting ducks, adverts for not prosperity necessarily, but materialism, end quote. Hmm. So as the friends worked to replace the tire, six armed men came out of the shadows and descended upon them and held them at gunpoint. They Ooh. demanded money, but Cumberbatch, Langley, and Black didn't have any because they had just paid for their scuba diving session entirely in cash. So they just spent all of their money at this session and were literally going just back home. Yeah. So Cumberbatch told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, they were like, look down, look down, put your hands on the floor, look at the floor. And then they started frisking us and said, where's your money? Where's your drugs? We had smoked a bit of weed. Where are your weapons? And at that point, this adrenaline of fight or flight just exploded in my body. I was like, oh, fuck, we're fucked. So the men tied them up with their shoelaces. Oh, end quote. My bad. I'm still <laughs> now I'm getting really into it. So the men tied them up with their shoelaces and like not the men's shoelaces, like they took black with Langley, their, own shoelaces, yes, with their yeah. own shoelaces and forced them back into the car, at which point um, at, at like at one point they drove off and they didn't stop until Cumberbatch started complaining. He was like, we can't feel our limbs. You have Ooh. tied these so tight. Yeah, we're losing sensation in our limbs. And they did not like that. And they grabbed him and they threw him in the trunk. Jeez. Yeah. And I, I, I heard, um, or not I heard. So in Vanity Fair, apparently Landy later said that when he, when Cumberbatch was shoved into the trunk, like he fought back. And he said, quote, uh-huh. Ben kicked and screamed bloody murder, end quote. Um, they still managed, it was three of them and one of him, or six of them and one of him, excuse me. Um, so they cl- managed to force him into the trunk. And Cumberbatch later on said that he believes that it was because he was the youngest looking of the three. And so the attackers Mm -hmm. were more concerned with the quote unquote adults than a child. And he also has since said he's like, it's also like, it was also like dangerous for him though, because that was not a great place to be a child. Like you could get sold into like sex trafficking and shit like, yeah. So either way he was like fucked. Yeah. Um, So finally, they came to a stop in the middle of nowhere, literally just under a bridge in unsettled territory, like just no, no idea. And that was after about two hours of just driving around. And at that point, the attackers got the actors out of the car and made them crouch on the ground execution style. And... (gasps) Yeah. Cumberbatch told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, I was scared, really scared. I said, what are you going to do with us? Are you going to kill us? I was really worried that I was going to get raped or molested or just tortured or toyed with in some way, some act of control and savagery, end quote. And so he's he started pleading for his life, which I can only imagine had to be very, yeah, traumatizing. Yeah. Um, And the attackers did not respond. They just were silent and then after several minutes of silence the actors kind of looked back and realized that their kidnappers had fled no reason Mm. they don't know why and yeah so ultimately like they just left them on the side of the road and then they had to wander around on a highway trying to figure out where they were what their surroundings were if anything was nearby 
And eventually they stumbled into a craft cafe that was run by some local women who were part of a Zulu cooperative that was full of art and beads and clothing and other beautiful items that they made from scraps like of metal and recycled items and fabric and wood and like just all kinds of like really cool shit. And so they're still like shaking. They're still like covered in like snot and crying and shit like that. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they told the women what happened to them and were like, can you help us, please? We don't know where we are. We don't know like much of anything. We're not from here. And the women began to cry because they were so ashamed of what had happened to the trio in their own country. Oh, and, geez. Yeah. And they told them that, like so much compassion that they showed throughout this entire situation. They They told them that like the people who robbed them were, quote, bad men who continued to target the poor people of the area, including their little cafe, to the point that they Mm. had to hire a security guard to protect these women. Oh, jeez. I know. And then they gave them their phones so that they could call people for help and brought them, made them food, brought them food, brought them water, gave them something to drink to, like, calm them down, like, tea and shit like that. Yeah. And Cumberbatch actually later said that he, quote, cried with gratitude when a security guard like when the security guard um handed him like a cup of tea and just looked him in the eyes with just such compassion oh, geez. Um, he said quote he handed me the cup and i looked into his eyes his face was full of sadness and shame these were kind people the kindest people people who had very little and yet gave of it so willingly end quote and I, I, I wasn't going to include this, but the more I think about it, I feel like I should. Um, when he gave this interview to The Hollywood Reporter, he actually, as he was leaving the interview, the interviewer said that he actually stopped and was like, look, like, I know that things get like, they, like, basically, like, they end up on the cutting room floor for time and for, like, length and shit like that. And he was like, yeah, please do not let that be the case. I gave you this story for a reason. And, like, don't let the story of the people who helped us don't put that on the cutting room floor because that matters yes and they matter and so obviously like they included it because you're not gonna fuck with benedict cumberbatch and also but like why wouldn't you like that's a beautiful thing that they did yeah exactly and so cumberbatch has since said that he considered the attack to actually be quote truly one of the most terrifying experiences of my experiences of my life we were very very lucky it changed my life end quote Wow. And he said that it ended up being an enriching experience because he felt that other people wouldn't necessarily understand it because, as he told Vanity Fair, quote, I was definitely more impatient to live a life less ordinary. I wanted to swim in the sea that I saw the next morning. If you feel you're going to die, you don't think you're going to have all those sensations again, a cold beer, a cigarette, the feel of the sun on your skin. All those hits, all those hit you as firsts again. It is, in a way, a new beginning But we were on our way back from the first weekend of a scuba diving training course, so it wasn't as if I was insular before that. I think it just made me run at it a bit more recklessly, end quote. Hmm. So furthermore, he associates the Radiohead song How to Disappear Completely with the incident because the actors were actually listening to it right when their tire burst. Mm. And he said that whenever he hears it now, it, quote, reminds him of a sense of reality and a reason for hope, end quote. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I have songs like that, too, that it's like you you heard it at a certain point that you're just mm-hmm. like, OK, I'm going to forever associate this song with this time, this moment. And Absolutely. Like, yeah. 
It, it, yeah, it's crazy that anytime he like hears that, it's like it brings him back to like that terrifying moment, but also something that he kind of it sounds like he associates positively because of uh, everything that happened afterwards. Yeah, it, like he truly he, he like he actually has said now that like he throws himself. Well, he said at the time that he gave the interview in 2013, he has since had children and was like, I have dialed it back. <laughs> um, yeah, but he would like throw himself in the way of danger but like on his own terms. And he told uh, Sway from Sway in the Morning, the radio show here in the US, quote, I took flips out of microlites, jumped out of airplanes, swam with great whites. I toured Na- Namibia and South Africa on my own after that incident, end quote. Like yeah. the dude, like it, he, he did all kinds of like wild shit. Like even when he was teaching english as a second language in or not you know what i mean teaching english in darjeeling he like went on a hike one day with his friends at like he was 19 maybe they couldn't afford a sherpa so they were like fuck it we're gonna go on this hike on our own and they got like lost in the himalayas and they still like managed to find their way back but he got like dysentery and like all kinds of shit yeah you can do a lot as a white man but also um yeah, I guess like going through some like one of the scariest things you could possibly imagine just makes you kind of fearless to everything else. Like swimming with great whites doesn't seem as terrifying as like literally kneeling on the ground on a highway thinking you're going to be dead in moments. Well, yeah, and I mean and you could be dead at any time. You can drop dead tomorrow. Like you could literally be unloading the groceries from your car and drop dead. Yeah. But it could just happen at any moment. And I think that that's part of it, too, is that you sit there and you think about all of the shit that you if you died in five minutes, all of the shit that you didn't do, like swimming with great whites. Yep. And like, oh, I could have done that. Like, it, I, I yeah. can totally he went skydiving. What's that song? That country song? I went skydiving. I went Mount Rocky Mountain climbing 2.7 seconds on a bull named, I think, like Bluehorn June. It's like a, I think it's like a Tim McGraw song or something. Or I Kenny don't Chesney. listen to country. I don't either. But that was that was our lesson on why you should not commit suicide in my high school as they played that song. And they were like, oh, see, Jesus there's so much Christ. to live for. And we were like we're like 15 we're not legally allowed to do like half of these things <laughs> yeah right but um yeah so back on track the attackers were never caught and largely in part i would assume because as cumberbatch said in interviews he, he calls it he was like it's a small event in a big country and yeah you see that type of crime every day to the point that like in fact he said that the next day somebody like some guy got murdered at like a traffic light or a traffic stop or something because he had a coin in his glove box. And I I don't remember the situation exactly, but what stuck out to me was that Cumberbatch told Sway in the morning, quote, life is cheap there. End quote. Which like just it really that one that one got me. But he was like, yeah, like it's not it's not a big deal in that country. And we were lucky enough that we got out alive but then somebody else didn't the next day and people don't every day. Yeah. But yeah. So that's the story of when C- Benedict Cumberbatch got kidnapped. Cumber kidnapped. Cumbernapped? Sure. Sure. But this would not be Cumberbatch's last run in with the law. Well, damn. I mean, I guess he didn't really run in with the law then either, but you know what I mean. But we got to get there first, so we might as well talk about some more about his career. 
So in 2005, he appeared as George Tessman in the Norwegian play Hedda Gabler, which earned him rave reviews. The play ended up being transferred to the West End within two months of its premiere. And that was the first time Cumberbatch appeared on the West End. Mm -hmm. And for those who are in the U.S. and who aren't theater nerds like us, the West End is basically British Broadway. Exactly. yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's a big fucking deal. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Cumberbatch was actually nominated for an Olivier Award for Best Performance in a Supporting Role for this portrayal. Again, Olivier's are like the Tonys. Yes, exactly. Thank yeah. you, Haley. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have that in my notes. It's like, oh, explain this. Um, so, yeah, he continued to work steadily in critically acclaimed works like the 2007 drama Atonement, starring Kira Knightley, James McAvoy, and Saoirse Ronan, Saoirse Like Inertia. In, uh, he played Paul Marshall. And the film was nominated for seven Academy Awards, won the Oscar for Best Achievement in Music Written for Motion Pictures Original Score. And I'm going to I'm going to pause here really quick because it was not lost on me that the American Awards are like, for example, Best Achievement in Music Written for Motion Pictures, comma, Original Score. Uh huh. They, he, the movie was also nominated for 14 BAFTAs. The two the two that it won Best Film, Best Production Design. Bah, done. I'm like, how wordy can Americans get? Yeah, how we need wordy to get can to we the get? nitty gritty of everything? Exactly. Um, but yeah, and it also won seven. It was nominated for seven Golden Globes, two of which it won for Best Motion Picture Drama and Best Original Score Motion Picture. Um, but it has a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb, an 87% Google score, and an 83% tomato meter rating with an 80% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And the critics' consensus is, quote, Atonement features strong performances, brilliant cinematography, and a unique score featuring deft performances from James McAvoy and Kira Knightley. It's a successful adaptation of Ian McEwan's novel, end quote. I had to read that novel many years ago. I cannot pronounce that dude's name for the life of me ever in my entire fucking life. But it's universally loved is what you're saying. It's universally. It was just just acclaimed. Um, And then in 2008, he starred as the lead character, Stephen Ezzard, in the BBC miniseries drama The Last Enemy, for which he was nominated for a Satellite Award for Best Actor in a Miniseries or TV Film. And that has a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb and an 88% Google score. And I know some of you are asking, but Caitlin, you're not mentioning where these things can be watched. I can't find them. Okay. <laughs> not in the I U.S. We can't, can't find them. I can't find them here. Yes. Um, so he's he's still working steadily, but then on July Obviously. 25th, of course, um, on July 25th, 2010, Cumberbatch was catapulted into superstardom when the first episode of Sherlock aired in the United Kingdom. Yeah. And it was ultimately watched by 7.5 million people. And they all were obsessed with the batch. Of course. Then the obsession reached across the pond when the first season of the show premiered on the U.S. public access channel PBS that October. Yep. So it just he was like that's when he was like an international name where people were like, oh, Cumberbatch. That's an interesting name. I've never heard of Benedict Carlton, but Cumberbatch. Um, and like, you know, like we like a British name here. We love a British name here. And I mean, you were on Tumblr in the 2010s. I was on Tumblr in the 2010s. Like he was everywhere or at least he was all over my feed. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I was not one to watch Sherlock. So I wasn't like super into it. But of course you saw him all over everything. You're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? He was everywhere in Hot Topic. Like. 
all yeah. over Hot Topic and Tumblr. I I didn't watch it at that at, at like the height, but I I did watch it in I want to say 2016, 2017 because Michael was a big fan. And like he had said something like, oh, you know, like how so and so was in Sherlock. I'd like some somebody guest starred, I think, or something. And I was like, I don't know. I haven't seen it. And like I, I you I could have said I club baby seals for fun the way he looked at me. And so he sat me down and we got through several seasons. Yeah. And then I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting to finish it because then he fucking up and went to England. He went to the real Sherlock Holmes area and so I'm still waiting for us to finish it. Michael, if you're listening to this, I'm still waiting for us to finish Sherlock Holmes. I guarantee you he's not. <laughs> he doesn't care. Um, that's okay. So, yeah. So Cumberbatch went on to star in a flurry of blockbuster hits with many predicting correctly, in my opinion, that he would be this generation's Laurence Olivier. And mm. in May 2013, he depicted the popular Star Trek villain Khan in J.J. Abrams's Star Trek Into Darkness. It was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Achievement in Visual Effects and for two BAFTAs, Best Special Visual Effects and the BAFTA Kids Vote feature film. It has a 7.7 .7 out of 10 on IMDb, an 85% Google score and an 84% tomato meter rating and 89% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And the critics consensus is, quote, visually spectacular and suitably action packed. Star Trek Into Darkness is a rock-solid installment in the venerable sci-fi franchise, even if it's not as fresh as its predecessor, end quote. All right. But you know who contributed to that freshness? Not one of the many Hollywood Chrises. No, no, no. Mm. Benny Cumbies. Yeah. Um, didn't like that. Never saying that again. So then 2013 was just a huge fucking year. Um, but you can watch this on Hulu, Amazon Prime, and Paramount Plus if you haven't already canceled it since the season of Drag Race All-Stars has ended. Um, but then in October 2013, he had a big month, specifically a big day because they both of these movies that I'm about to mention premiered on October 18th. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine being such a superstar that you have two blockbusters coming out the same fucking day? Mm, fuck you. Exactly. Like, unbelievable. Like, home, homie's a star. So, first off, he starred in Steve McQueen's historical drama, 12 Years a Slave, with Chiwetel Ejiofor. That was and a big one. Yes, that was a big movie. Um, yeah. Based on, uh, based on the, I believe, the biography of the like main character that if i remember correct, correctly yeah. um it's been a minute since i've seen it but it's a really good movie um but it starred it starred ejiofor lupin and yongo and the late michael kenneth williams who unfortunately like just passed away um cumberbatch portrayed the sympathetic slave owner which is an oxymoron um william prince ford and mm. The film was nominated for nine Oscars, one of which yep. it won for best writing. Like like you said, it's a big one. Yeah. Um, for best writing, adapted screenplay, 10 BAFTAs, two of which it won for best film and best leading actor for Chiwetel Ejiofor. And seven Golden Globes. Who's coming for me? Seven Golden Globes, one of which it won for best motion picture drama. And it has an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb, a 93% Google score, and a 95% tomato meter rating and 90% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And the critics' consensus is, quote, it's far from comfortable viewing, but 12 Years a Slave's unflinchingly brutal look at American slavery is also brilliant and quite possibly essential cinema, end quote. Yep. Which, yeah, I completely agree. 
And despite some of the white savory aspects where, like, for example, Ford is, like, bad because he owns slaves, but, like, he's he's nice to them. But at the same time, one of the characters, Eliza, makes a very good point. He still owned people. He still owned people. And one of the characters, Eliza, made, like, this excellent point that always stuck out to me where, like, basically, Chiwetel Ejiofor's character was, like, but he, he's he's nice to us. And she was, like, do you think you can, like, you can play the violin, you're like i hate to say it but like well spoken and like clearly educated and everything because for those who don't know the plot is and it's a true story a black man living in the north has been kidnapped and like forced into slavery in the south and his whole yep. 12 years of slave he was enslaved for 12 years and the entire time just trying to get back to his family um but she was like do you think that he does not realize that you're not supposed to be here and he was yep. just like oh fuck damn like yeah and and yeah so it's a whole thing um but despite like all of that it's on it's a great movie i totally agree that like it is essential to watch um i highly recommend everybody watch it It, it's great but if you want to it's available on hulu hell yeah hells yeah so yeah and then we're gonna touch on a little bit more true crime here um he also started oh of course I wouldn't disappoint you. So Cumbie also starred in The Fifth Estate. I said I wasn't going to say it again, and it just slipped out. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he starred in The Fifth Estate, which is a dramatic thriller about WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. And uh-huh. of course, now we have a connection to Assange, quite literally a connection. So he's, he wanted to m- meet with him. Cumberbatch wanted to meet with him to like prepare for the role. And... Assange refused to meet with him in person, which definitely made Cumberbatch's research more difficult. Yeah. But he later said that even if the two had met in person, he doesn't think it would have helped him. Uh, Cumberbatch told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, even if I had the access to him and had a personal meeting, I don't think I would have been able to sit in his presence and get some kind of idea of truth behind it. I just would have gotten more of an idea of how he carried himself in those interactions, end quote. Yeah. But regardless, so the two were eventually able to communicate via, quote, email through a friend, basically, end quote, he told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, he was pretty keen for me not to do the film and the rest is sort of between us, really, end quote. Mm. And I I say that, but it's not necessarily between them. Assange actually emailed Cumberbatch to ask him not to participate in the movie whatsoever. and. Okay. Cumberbatch obviously did not comply with that request, and Assange went on to leak the letter that he sent Cumberbatch. And it's a it's a long letter, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But at the beginning, Assange says, "Quote: My assistants communicated your request to me, and I have given it a lot of thought and examined your previous work, which I am fond of. I think I would enjoy meeting you. The bond that develops between an actor and a living subject is significant." If the film reaches distribution, we will forever be correlated in the public imagination. Our paths will be forever intertwined. Our paths will be forever entwined. Excuse me. Each of us will be granted standing to comment on the other for many years to come, and others will compare our characters and trajectories. But I must speak directly. I hope that you will take such directness as a mark of respect and not as unkindness. 
I believe you are a good person, but I do not believe that this film is a good film. I do not believe it is going to be positive for me or the people I care about. I believe that it is going to be overwhelmingly negative for me and the people I care about. It is based on a deceitful book by someone who has a vendetta against me and my organization, end quote. Assange went on to say, quote, your skills play into the hands of people who are out to remove me and WikiLeaks from the world. I believe that you should reconsider your involvement in this enterprise. Consider the consequences of your cooperation with a project that vilifies and marginalizes a living political refugee to benefit of an to the benefit of an entrenched, corrupt and dangerous state. Consider the consequences to people who may fall into harm because of this film. I believe you are well intentioned, but surely you can see why it is a bad idea for me to meet you. By meeting with you, I would validate this wretched film and endorse this talented but debauched performance that the script will force you to give. I cannot permit this film any claim to I cannot permit this film any claim to authenticity or truthfulness. End quote. So it was like a lot of that. He fucking lambasted him. But then Cumberbatch was like, "But look at how much money they're gonna give me." Well, not not (laughs) quite. Um, so first of all, when he leaked the letter, Cumberbatch wasn't necessarily surprised. Uh, he told the Hollywood Reporter, "Yeah, quote, he's the guy behind WikiLeaks. Well, it's yeah. not like he's, it's not yeah. like he's above leaking something." <laughs> yeah, he said. Even even his reaction, I've got I've got to laugh because part of me is like, this is so like politely British. Because he said to the Hollywood Reporter, quote, I knew when I was writing to him, I was writing to a publisher, a man who leaks top secret information. So I knew the minute I opened the correspondence by asking him if we could meet, I was opening myself up to being published myself, end quote. He he didn't approve of him or he didn't he didn't say to Assange, yes, you can make this public, uh, but he understood why he did it, he said. Yeah. Uh, saying, quote, he actually wrote to me to ask if I felt it was okay. And I said, listen, we had a gentleman's agreement not to do that, but I'm absolutely happy for you to do it. I understand why you want to and why you should do it. Please go ahead and do what you want to do, end quote. Very, very polite. We had a gentleman's agreement. Yes. <laughs> the, the the dude who is best known for leaking shit gave me his word that he would not leak this shit. And I believed him. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you sweet summer child. So he on September 18th, 2013, WikiLeaks released a version of the complete script to the public because, as they said, quote, the film is from WikiLeaks perspective, irresponsible, counterproductive and harmful, end quote. And they published a talking points memo because, quote, because it represents a frank internal appraisal of the film and what is wrong with it, end quote. Cumberbatch, however, has since said that, quote, no matter how you cut it, Assange has done us a massive service to wake us up to the zombie-like way we absorb our news, end quote. All right. So, and that's kind of how he wanted to portray it, is that, like, the dude did us a, like, service. Yeah. So, now, I'm not getting into the whole movie. I'm not getting into all of the, like, IMDb and shit and, the like, awards and everything like that, because I think we're probably definitely going to cover Julian Assange at some point, and okay. therefore the Fifth Estate. <laughs> so... like just to give that its own episode but i just thought the connection between cumberbatch and this like political refugee who like will be arrested if he leaves like the ecuadorian embassy yep again like or goes to the u.s or however that works i'm not i'm not a political refugee so i'm not quite sure of what he can and can't do but he is he and we're not covering that case yet, so you haven't researched it. So. I haven't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I like that that has been thrown onto me, though, that I will be doing that case. <laughs> um. 
I mean, you've already started it, so. Apparently. That's a fair point. Um, The entire episode will just be me reading that long-ass letter. But still, in, in 2013, Cumberbatch starred as the titular character of Smaug in The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, which is directed by our friend Peter Jackson, who doesn't know he's our friend, but we just talked about his wife and him two weeks ago on our episode about Pauline Parker and, yep. and Juliet Hume. Um, and it was nominated for three Oscars, Best Achievement in Sound Mixing, Best Achievement in Visual Effects, and Best Achievement in Sound Editing, and two BAFTAs, Best Special Visual Effects and Best Makeup Hair. It has a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb, an 82% Google score, and a 74% tomato meter rating, and 85% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And the critics' consensus is, quote, while still slightly hamstrung by middle chapter narrative problems and its formidable length, the desolation of Smaug represents a more confident, exciting second chapter for the Hobbit series, end quote. And you All can right. watch it if you're rich and can afford HBO Max. The following or year, if you have in-laws that already have HBO Max. If your in-laws are rich and they can yeah. afford to both send you to a bougie private school and give you HBO Max. Yep. Um, but yeah, so the next year was equally big for Cumberbatch. Uh, he most notably starred as mathematician Alan Turing in the World War One drama The Imitation Game, which also featured his Atonement co-star Kira Knightley. And like that movie will wreck you. Like it's so good. It's incredibly good. But watch it at your own risk because you will be like a ugly crying by the end of it. It's just it's it's so fucking just heart wrenchingly good. Yeah. But it has an eight point. Uh, no, it has an eight solid eight out of 10 on IMDb, a 93 percent Google score and an 89 percent tomato meter rating and 91 percent audience score with over 100,000 audience ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, damn. Right? Um, Like I said, it's a good movie. Like, it will rip your guts out, but it's a good movie. Um, And the critics' consensus is, quote, with an outstanding starring performance from Benedict Cumberbatch illuminating its fact-based story, the imitation game serves as an eminently well-made entry in the prestige biopic genre, end quote. Mm. Which is absolutely accurate. Um, If Sherlock launched Cumberbatch into superstardom, like, this movie cemented him as a serious actor and a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And, for example, the film was nominated for seven Oscars, including Best Motion Picture of the Year and Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role for Cumberbatch. Uh, It won the Academy Award for Best Writing Adapted Screenplay. It was nominated for nine BAFTAs, including Best Film and Best Leading Actor for Cumberbatch. It was nominated for five Golden Globes, including Best Motion Picture Drama and Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Drama for Cumberbatch. Like, he was all over the awards circuit for this movie, yeah. as as he deserved. And he made a slew of other movies that are also very good, but, like, we don't necessarily have the time to cover it. We're pushing an hour as it is. Uh, but that includes August Osage County reprising his role as Smaug in The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, uh, the series Patrick Melrose, fucking The Simpsons, like the list goes on. But then in 2016, I don't know, he, he, he went from like superstar to I guess like supernova, like whatever comes next. I don't really know. Uh-huh. He, he became an integral part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe when he took on the role of neurosurgeon turned sorcerer with a magic self-aware cape, Doctor Strange. Doctor yeah. Stephen Strange, who, for those who don't know, I, I would say tag your spoilers, but it's been like years. It's been like five years. TLDR, 
dude is a great surgeon. He's a little bit like House in that he's like, I know I'm a great, I'm a great doctor. He gets in a car accident. He hurts his hands. He's like, I'll do anything to get my hands back and therefore like my my lifestyle back. And so he meets up with these people and they're like, we know magic. And he's like, okay, sure, bet. Let's try it. And then nothing bad will happen from here. And then he gets a cape. And, and there you go. You've seen it. Allegedly, you can watch it on TBS. I don't know. But because I cool. think you still need cable. I've tried to watch things on TBS. But then again, I don't know. I haven't tried in a little while. I've given up. Yeah. But he he's... It, or also, I should say, it also sta- co-stars his 12 Years a Slave co-star, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. So I thought that was cool. That, w- that was like, I was like, oh, yeah. we're back together. Um, but so, yeah, so he's been steadily working in that regard in multiple Avengers movies and series, including Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, the upcoming Spider-Man No Way Home, and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and the new Disney Plus series, What If? Like, I can keep going like he's been in shit he's he's continuing to be in shit his his soul is sold to marvel it's been written in blood like he's i feel like he can't go any higher i feel like once you do one marvel movie you're kind of like locked in for about like a 25 year contract because that's how like how far out they're scheduling these fucking movies yeah well it's definitely extensive and it's like something that people don't even know like how much to talk about all they know that like they don't even know like for example like actors will sign out i think i was reading an interview with sebastian stan who plays the winter soldier bucky barnes in you name it he's in it um and he was saying something like he, he basically was like given this contract and it was like you're gonna be an x number of movies when he first was in the first Captain America movie in which, spoiler alert, again, it's been like 10 years or whatever it is, but he dies. And he was like, yeah, so I didn't know how I was going to fulfill the rest of the contract for those other movies, but I was like, but they have a plan. So They're I'm all sure flashback that they'll... movies. <laughs> well, exactly. So he was just like, so like, I just, I just went with it. And then like, one of them was like a series and one of them was like a movie and then more of them were movies. And like, it just he, he you don't know but they do i, I think yeah. i've talked about this before they're very secretive i know somebody who knows somebody who auditioned for a marvel movie and quite literally like they were sent to audition for a movie that was not a marvel movie and showed up at the location and it was like a, a like out of a movie like a blacked out suv comes up and is just like you're so and so Yep. Okay. Get in. This isn't actually where the audition is. Get in. And then they went to a second location, which normally I would say don't do, but it's Marvel. So what are they going to do? Um, and then they had to like read a script that was like not remotely like emotionally. It was in the same vein, but it was not remotely like to do with Marvel. Yeah. It was like a yeah, script that, ha- that they wrote for the audition. That Yeah, that happens a lot for very like high profile roles and everything that they you, you're not even you're not even reading the script of a movie that you're planning on being in. No. Yeah. And and then they were driven back to that first location when they were done. And they were like, okay, we'll let you know. Bye. And it's so weird. It's just, it's so fucking wild to me. Like the secrecy. But, um, all right. Tangent over. I'm sorry. But remember when I said that kidnapping wasn't the only involvement with true crime? In yeah. Cumberbatch. Okay. I just, I wasn't sure if you were called. So I just wanted to bring that back up. I've been here the whole time. Yeah. Okay. So in June 2018, he took his little superhero skills and put them to some use. And so long story short, Cumberbatch and his wife, Sophie Hunter, were traveling through London in an Uber when they saw a Deliveroo bicyclist being like 
viciously mugged by four guys and i'm sure oh, that geez. that brought back memories for him yeah. um how could it not but basically cumberbatch told the uber driver manuel diaz he was like stop the car and immediately got out and confronted these muggers and pulled them off the bicyclist with the help of diaz who later said quote i had hold of one lad and benedict another he seemed to know exactly what he was doing. He was very brave. He did most of it, to be honest. They tried to hit him, but he defended himself and pushed them away. He wasn't injured. Then I think they also recognized it was Benedict and ran away. <laughs> Benedict yeah. was courageous, brave, and selfless. If he hadn't stepped in, the cyclist would have been could have been seriously injured. He asked the rider if he was okay, and when he said, I'm okay, Benedict just hugged him, end quote. Wow. Yeah. So after the incident... First of all, like Deliveroo released a statement that was basically just like, thank you, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> yeah, thanks yeah. for saving our dude. Yeah. Um, but the son reached out to Cumberbatch to interview him about it. And he all he said about it was just like, I did it out, quote, I did it out of, well, I had to, you know, end quote. And that was it. That was all he said about it. He was just like, I did it. Like, yeah, what I mean, else would you I, do? I imagine he couldn't sit by after going through what he went through and just be like, oh, yeah, that's that's somebody over there getting mugged. OK, well, back home now. Yeah, exactly. Or wherever they were going. Yeah. But I mean, and even just like the fact that he was in an Uber, that he's like this magnitude of a star and that he's in a fucking Uber. Like, it's just it was it was wild to me. But one of my favorite parts I will say of this story is that the attack also happened Oh, uh, allegedly, allegedly, a short distance away from 221B Baker Street, which is Sherlock Holmes's fictional address. Wow. Right? All right. right. I was like, oh, my God, look at that. Look um, at that, synchronicities. Yeah, but that's, I'm not quite sure how to end this one. <laughs> that's no, that's all I got. That's all I got. But that's Benedict Cumberbatch and his multiple true crime experiences on, like, either side of a robbery yeah like just i just i really liked the full circle moment that he had there where like nobody was there to help him or, or i shouldn't say that people did help him and they showed him kindness and he was able to like After pay it fact. forward yeah yeah and he was able yeah. to pay it forward and actually stop something like what he experienced yeah and definitely like homie is a superhero and like we very rarely get like a positive out yeah. of this shit and i was just like all right and, oh my god i never mentioned it this was a patreon patron poll pick <gasps> ppp ppp wait patreon patron poll pick there's there's four p's pppp 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 <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so if you want to decide on the next movie actor P -p 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 -p. or whatever on the next pppp uh you can join our patreon and you can hop in there and i don't remember i know that the tier is because we did serial killer ten. quotes because we thought we were funny is it 10 or 15 10 okay all i know is that it's a, a person in that situation is god and i was like because i remember we came up with that and i was like ooh, we're funny um we're so funny yeah but no it's it's super fun for me at least to like do one that's a positive and i'm sure it was a much definitely exact like a very nice break for the patrons who got to vote on it and see what the other ones were um also for those who did vote like you may have noticed 
I yes, we do end up like bringing back also like, oh, you didn't vote for this like two months ago. We're going to bring it back and be like, do you want to hear it now? Hell yeah. And so like when you do vote for these things, it's also kind of like a sneak peek into what is coming eventually. Exactly. But also it, it's not like if you don't vote for something, you're never going to hear about it. We've got a backlog to end all backlogs. Oh, hell yeah. So this shit's coming. You just get to pick what comes first. And Which should always uh, we be will the girl. mention that uh, we got one more episode coming in September, obviously, for the, yes. the last week of September. And then we are into Spooktober. Which, if you've never listened before, includes two episodes a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And if you are part of our Patreon, um, at that the level where you get to uh, be a part of the poll, obviously, because we have to plan so far in advance for Spooktober, there's going to be no poll in October. But as a replacement, uh, you will get the entire schedule of every single episode coming out in October. So you will know way in advance of everybody else what is happening. And for once, I remember something that we talked about that Haley doesn't. And they also get to choose what movie we watch. Yes. For our live stream. So you don't get to pick an episode, but you do get to pick the movie because we weren't able to do a last year in past years. It's been a lot less regimented, but I don't know if you've heard Haley and Elliot are getting married. And so we had to like record mega super way in advance. And also everything needed to be just planned out and very like we needed to know what we were doing like several several months early like the schedule has been set (laughs) because you know it happens i we will be ready and raring to go by halloween and halloween is when we are going to do our live stream we're going to watch a horror movie on halloween night with all of you and we are also going to open our secret satan gifts along with everybody else so uh join us on halloween night we will be on our twitch i believe Yes, we have one of those. We, we are like v- very rarely on it, but we have one. It we'll exists. Be there. Uh, yeah, we'll be watching a horror movie of our patrons choosing. Yes. Um, and we'll be hanging out with all y'all. Hell yeah. So join us. You'll hear more about it as like October right. progresses, but it's just a little sneak peek. Yeah, sneak peek. Uh, I don't know why I did In that. the meantime... You can go to our website, which is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, last week, we talked about um, uh, Spanish-speaking horror movies mm-hmm. for Hispanic Heritage Month. And um, we got a request um, on our Facebook to post a list of all the movies that we talked about. So obviously, like, went ahead and did that. There was also a bunch of movies that we didn't get to talk about in the episode um, that I had already researched, um, but we were running low on time. So I included every single one of those, too. Um, So in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month, which runs from September 15th to October 15th, Watch a bunch of the movies that we put on our list. And um, again, that's all on the website, crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can DM us on any of those. Obviously, Patreon we talked about. And uh, you can email us at Mm -hmm. crimeculturepod at gmail.com. That's it. That's, that's That's our email. That's the whole thing. 
Yeah, that's that's the spiel. That's the that's episode. It. That is the episode. That's it. That's us. That's it for us. Do you guys have anything to add? No. Okay. Good. Okay. In the meantime, uh, yeah. So we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.